When you think the term sexual sadist, the first serial killer to come to mind might be Ted Bundy. While perhaps Bundy was the most infamous in recent history, there are more serial killers out there than you may have realized who follow similar patterns of brutal sexual trauma and abuse. Tonight, we talk about one such murderer, but unlike Bundy, kept things local to his town and what he did to the bodies even closer. Talk about skeletons in the closet. Gulp. King Cobra Malt Liquor. <laughs> I can only imagine seeing Nicole going in the gas station and buying the- <laughs> I mean, there are three forties of King Cobra. Um, it tastes like beer. Well, last week Nicole and I went into the same gas station and bought forties, but th- that was for those were for me to drink for my forty hands challenge. If you guys haven't seen that video, that means that you're not one of our Patreon subscribers, um, or you're behind on our Patreon videos. If you are a subscriber, and you should go check it out because it was definitely an interesting experience. But guess what? I won. So, like, why drink this instead of beer? It's like, cheap as fuck. Oh yeah, and there's a it lot was of it. it was cheap. It was two dollars and fifty cents actually <laughs> for all three about it per bottle. Per bottle, that's a pretty good deal. Yeah, that is cheap. I mean, that's not. It's not terrible. I mean, it's not great. No, no, but it's. That uh, is for forty it does ounces. The job. I hope we're drinking this for a very. I hope this is very related to the story that we're we're doing tonight. <laughs> um, I just want to say that even though I had to finish the forty hands last week. I do not have to finish this. I'm just saying that right now. So if I don't. But we... we You have to finish yeah, that. Yeah, I feel like that's a cop out. Yeah, dude. That's like leaving a wounded soldier on a battlefield. Is that what you want to do? <laughs> oh, that escalated quickly. <laughs> uh, way to make me feel bad. Uh, I mean... We're only doing one surprise shot so that we can uh, tackle this bad boy. Because this is... How many ounces is a beer? This is 12? 40 ounces. No, in a regular... It depends. <laughs> it depends. Thank you. <laughs> it depends on, it depends uh. on the serving size of beer. Well, thanks. Like, <laughs> I, I also yeah, understand 12, that. 12 ounces, or you can get the 24 ounces at the pubs. <laughs> so this is, this is five beers, then. Pretty much, yeah. For $2.50. <laughs> that is a bargain. Yeah. <laughs> now I'm interested. Do you think this King Cobra will alleviate my back pain? Um, do you want to combine it with some of John's back pills? That's I feel like pills. that's a bad idea. Uh, no, they're great. I take them all the time. Well, not when you're drinking uh, five yeah. beers. Potentially. Yeah. If you really want I mean, to go away. Yeah. I don't need them. But do you I want do, to be able to drive home I later? do need to. I have to go to work tomorrow. Spring break's over. I just take them because it makes me feel good. <laughs> So we are going to celebrate our Taco Supremos with celebrate, our celebrate time to celebrate with I'm, our surprise I'm, shot dedication. I'm already getting a headache. I, that's what I said. I can already feel a headache. Oh, that's what I said. Don't be pussies. I drank two of these last week. <laughs> well, no, you, you, you know, did you not. Drank Corona. You drank two regular forty ounces. This is not. <laughs> but I still drank two. So uh, before we do our surprise shot dedication, I do want to shout out and welcome Laura, Katie, Stephanie, Joe, 
Brittany, and Jessica all for joining as Supremos on our Patreon page. Thank you, thank you, thank you all. So tonight, though, we are doing a Supremo dedication to Jeremy. Oh, Jeremy. 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 Where have you been, Jeremy? He is a longtime supporter of the show. Jeremy and Tyler, right? Yes. Yeah, he requested the... um... X-Men story. That was a good one, man. It was. Jeremy, this one is for you. I think he's also requested a couple more that were really good, too. I think so. I know the X-Men was fucking fantastic. Wasn't the um, the Annihilator one of theirs? Oh, yeah, maybe. Yeah, maybe he did. Uh, Yeah. Maybe. I don't know. What's up, Jeremy? Hey, Jeremy, this one's for you. Surprise shots. Surprise shots. We don't know what they are because they're a surprise. I don't oh, know. it's Jaeger! <laughs> <laughs> Cheers. See, that is a good liquor right there. No, it is not. It tastes like absinthe. It does not taste like absinthe. It tastes like licorice. This is a, goes down smooth. <laughs> no, it doesn't. All right, so tonight, I guess I didn't give you guys a hint, but we are drinking King Cobra, so... And we had sausages at and, your yeah. specific request. So tell me about... Where do you think we're going, and who who are we killing that we're drinking King Cobras? Okay, I think we're going to Texas tonight. This actually reminds me, King Cobra, um, really just the snake, reminds me of um, Kill Bill. Um, have you seen that movie? Mm-hmm. It reminds me of a like a Dodge Viper. Okay, all right. Well, the snake the reminds me of Jafar. Mm, it does from Aladdin. Um, so, okay. so I think we're go like Kill Bill. They the, the, was the they have the I whole know snake what scene. Aladdin is. They I, had sex. I'm talking about Kill Bill. What are you talking oh. about? Aladdin had sex. No. Wait. Is well, Alad- maybe after the wedding. This is a Disney movie. After is all. Aladdin and Esmeralda? No, no that's Jasmine. the Hunchback from Notre Dame. Oh, but it was also a Disney character. So good for you, <laughs> Jasmine. Jasmine. John's like, I remember her yeah, now. Yeah, she was hot. <laughs> I think we're going to Texas in a scene very similar to Kill Bill in a trailer in the middle of the desert. And there is a cannibal, uh, similar to the German sausage story. I think we've got a cannibal eating people, but he's like killing them by poisoning them with snakes, by like having them get bit by snakes. I think we're going to go to West Virginia into the forest and there are some like feral people and they feral feral people. People. this is a thing <laughs> I'm serious this is it's a thing that exists and I think that feral people they do and they eat people they're cannibals oh. oh in West Virginia you talking about that movie The Hills Have Eyes no I'm talking about like this is a thing like <laughs> this is real okay? this is real TikTok told me it was real it did <laughs> uh, well I didn't necessarily say that I heard that they were in West Virginia but I picked West Virginia because of the malt liquor and then I'm also going with feral people. It's got to be the most feral state. I mean, just... You guys have no clue who drinks these, do you? I do. Who? People who don't think that they deserve better beer. People who can't afford better beer. People who can't afford good beer drink this. Poor people will drink this. 
I'm not being mean, but oh my people God, that no, I feel no, homeless, I feel bad. homeless people are drinking these. That's why they always carry them around. I don't I know they were drinking guys, this. Yeah. I thought you guys would catch on to that. Well, <laughs> I, I didn't, wouldn't have known how cheap it was until I was rung up at the gas station. I don't even think they sell this shit in Texas. <laughs> of so, course they do. So are, so are homeless people being killed or are they killing... Or, he, or are they killing other people? No, not homeless people. Us. I didn't mean it. Homeless people, like all homeless people, drink these. But usually, the people who drink these drink them because they get some fucked up for two dollars and fifty cents. <laughs> That's why they drink them. You know, they don't have the. It lunch. could be a college student. Yeah. <sighs> yeah, but I mean, they would drink four locos over these. All right, welcome to Talk Murder Me podcast. My name is John. If this is your first time here. Welcome. I put all my sources, photos, and videos on talkmurder.com. You can go there and click the blog post. This is episode 228. Alternatively, we put the YouTube video of us recording this episode for you guys, and I have a presentation on YouTube. Just type in Talk Murder to Me and subscribe. I put those out on Wednesday, and I want to apologize for last week not putting it out we had some camera difficulties and it didn't record correctly. So I didn't end up not putting that episode out and I want to apologize, but this episode will be out and it will be out on Wednesday. So be sure to go and subscribe. Thank you everyone that has been subscribing to that. If you've been leaving comments on there, just keep in mind that I don't actually read those comments. I don't even really log into the YouTube to be honest. I just post the video and let it fly if you want to talk to me directly, you can leave a comment on any post. Well, this one would be best on talkmurder.com. I do read every comment that comes in, and that is the best way to get in touch with me. You can also request stories there as well. So tonight we are drinking King Cobra malt liquor, and we are actually going to the location for you YouTube guys. You're looking at the Google Earth right now. We are going to 12205 Imperial Avenue. Now, the home is no longer there, so I don't know if Google Earth is going to show us a house, but we will see. This is in Cleveland, Ohio. Mm-hmm. And Drew Carey Land. Where? Drew, Drew Carey Land. Oh, I didn't know he's from there. Well, he in his show he is. I don't know if he actually is in real life, but... Um, in the Drew Carey show? Yeah, in the in the song, in that theme song, they go, Cleveland rocks, Cleveland rocks. Oh, yeah. Damn. So, what you're seeing now for you guys on YouTube, and I'll put the photos on talkmer.com, but this is Ray's Sausage Company, Incorporated. Oh, All right. And next door is a vacant lot that you, oh, man, they cut a few houses down. There used to be a lot more houses. All this, because of this story. Oh, shit, maybe. <laughs> there was like four houses here before. <laughs> this is Imperial Avenue. This is the exact location of the crime that happened tonight. And I'm going to show you pictures of the house, but they have since torn it down. This sausage factory, as we'll go look at the front, uh-huh. has been in business for 57 years. Wow. There's and it's a, still in business today? Yeah, this is a little corner store. Oh, is that where... And this is the sausage factory right here. Is the corner store where our um, 
protagonist, antagonist, everyone in between by their king, king cobra. cobra. Yeah, exactly. So ah. the uh, sausage, sausage shop is still there. What you're looking at now is the neighborhood of Mount Pleasant. Oh. No way. Neighborhood here, and it is pretty run down. It does not look like the Mount Pleasant in South Carolina. I will no. say that. It doesn't even kind of resemble the Mount Pleasant Street in New Bedford that we have. Mm-mm. So Cleveland, Ohio. Now, I'm not sure about all the locations, but definitely this part is poverty stricken. And I looked up some history in the 1960s. Cleveland experienced what is known as the, quote, white flight, end quote. And that is where mm. the industrial complexes started breaking down. All the uh, the things that are making money there in Cleveland started breaking down. And the Caucasians moved out of the area, leaving 90 percent African-American population with no support system as far as jobs or anything else. Mm. And that left a bunch of inner city Folks in extreme, extreme poverty. Then you layer on the upcoming years and about 20 years later or a little bit less than that. You had the CIA introducing crack cocaine into the neighborhood. And that is a way where you can do a cheap ass drug called crack and you don't even have to eat when you're on crack so that's that solves your hunger problem wait i'm Plus, sorry did you say the cia introduced yes. crack? it's yeah. a conspiracy yeah so i'm not sure if that's true or not but i think there's a documentary on the, netflix that there you is to check out about that there yeah. is so crack is whack y'all but crack allows you to get high as hell and not eat because you don't worry about food. You can go on a binge for three days. And that is great if you're poor. Plus, if you're in poverty and you have n- nothing to look forward to, you might as well do some crack. So that is why crack, it hit the epidemic. And a lot of the serial killers we have covered has fallen into that epidemic time period because the victims are a lot easier to kill when they're on crack. You know, the unfortunate thing about crack is that your your first high is always going to be the best and you'll never t- like, touch it. Yeah. Reach it again. Yeah. Spoken like a true crack fiend. Well, I mean, look at me. I'm definitely not on crack. If I was, I wouldn't look like this. <laughs> I feel like that is going to be like in a dystopian future, like crack and microdosing of drugs like this is it, it is going to be big in hollywood to get people is, uh in hollywood you think it thin. doesn't already happen microdosing yeah, is just for those stupid ass silicon valley people oh i'll put some lsd with a little bit of weed and now and i can create be the next steve jobs i i don't either that's the first time i've heard that term <sighs> well it's when they take they take a little bit of like acid or something just a little bit and they mix it with like a like some like maybe a stimulant they mix it with some weed or something like that and it just it doesn't get them high but it gets them like kind of cranked up oh it's like a hybrid drug it's like a it's just 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 a little bit just to have you feel something different different areas have their different drugs i mean if you go to wall street all those guys are doing cocaine (laughs) there so there was cocaine was the rich person's drug which is why they made crack it's it's a whatever version of cocaine and it's cheaper there was um a book that i read actually recently um not very recently leanne morarity she wrote um big little lies Mm -hmm. so there was a really great book 
called Nine Perfect Strangers, and it talked about microdosing. And I do not want to spoil anything else related to it. But anyway, it was that very interesting. Like it was really fun. That hers, that'll probably end up getting made into a series eventually. Oh, I hope so. I really love her books. All right. What you're looking at now is the home. That house right there with the sign in front of it, that is the house we're going to tonight. Not the boarded up one. No, but this this whole neighborhood is pretty pretty bad. Like so condemned. this is this is one two two zero five Imperial Avenue. It was built in the late nineteen twenties as a duplex. It is a three story home, as you can see, and it is being lived in by one individual. Hmm. So he lives there. Three floors for just one person sounds like a perfect lair to me. All right. So who you're looking at now is Sean Morris. If you want to describe her, how old do you think she is? Um, I think she seems older to me, maybe her, her late fifties or sixties even. I was going to say 55. Yeah, that's a good guess. Sean Morris. She is 51 years old. It's where we're starting the story tonight. She is a tall African-American woman. She is currently, or as of this story in October 19th, 2009, the date that we're going. So on that date, she was officially off crack but she has been struggling with the urge for many years it has always been there and i've never done crack or been addicted to anything besides coffee but Mm -hmm. from what i've read in this story especially the the victims that we're going to talk about tonight which are plenty of would choose crack cocaine and not choose like they're going to make a choice they pretty much had to because it has such a hold on them. They would choose crack cocaine over their own children. Some Mm. of the women in tonight's victim have five to seven children living at the home. They would go to get some crack and then they wouldn't be home for three days. And the children would be in there starving, wondering where their mom is. Mm. That is the crack epidemic. And it is bad. That's reminiscent of that. Um, The heroin documentary they did on the cape yes 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 that's exactly what i was thinking about i was like i couldn't i I was actually gonna say crack i'm glad you said it was heroin because like the heroin kind of replaced uh like oxycontin if you want to know a fucked up drug i watched all the drug zinc stuff that crocodile shit that they do in russia what is that i don't know what it is exactly but it gets you really high but that's not the bad thing it actually it's a uh it's a, a poison for your body, and it actually eats away your skin. So people that are doing crocodile in the interviews, you can see their legs. You can actually see the bone <gasps> through their legs because their their flesh has been... It's, a, it's like a bacteria that eats their flesh oh that comes God. in this stuff. Ugh. It's a flesh-eating drug well that's a way to lose weight too it's bad no i think but this, i there's like <laughs> just like literally no. a skeleton i, I think i picked crack losing, over that well they're not losing fat they're losing meat exactly like meat off their bones yeah exactly like you could see their tendons I, I just feel like you're like essentially the halloween costume of the skeleton <laughs> yes are you talking about the david Dance s pumpkin around? one yeah ding 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 Anyway, we uh, that's not good. So for tonight's story, just to let you guys know, for your podcasters, we're drinking 40-ounce malt liquor King Cobras. It goes along with the story tonight. The person that lives in the home, 11205 Imperial Avenue, drinks malt liquor 
King Cobras, in fact, every day. And on October 19, 2009, he was drinking one of these as Sean Morris was at his house. And this is what happened. She has been off crack for several months, completely off crack. That's Actually, awesome. several years, but she always relapses. But for a few months, she has been off crack. She's been doing really good. She's 51 years old. But she had a strong urge to smoke. So on October 19th, 2009, she goes to her Bible study instead, which is right down the road on Imperial Avenue. However, unfortunately for her, it was canceled for that night. She then meets up with a girlfriend to go for a drink. And the girlfriend, who is also heavily addicted to crack cocaine, pulls out, just, you know, just hit it one time. You'll feel a lot better. And that's all it takes for 51-year-old Sean Morris to be back on again. So now they're partying. She's getting her crack fix until 3 a.m. in the morning. And since she hasn't done it in a while, she wants to keep partying. It's 3 a.m. in the morning. Keep that in mind. Her friends end up leaving, but she is still in the partying mood. So she waits around Kingsman Avenue around 5.30 a.m., right by a nearby service station like the one you saw that is when they open at 5 30 to sell beer to sell these malt liquor and everything else mm -hmm. so she's sitting on the bench with a bunch of people remember this is october 19th 2009 she is waiting until 5 30 a.m until the service station opens so she can buy her king cobra however she can't stay too long because what she doesn't want to happen is her her children when they walk to the bus stop, which is right there on Kingsman Avenue at seven in the morning, so another hour and a half, she doesn't want them to walk up on mom sitting there drinking 40s and smoking crack. That's what she does not want to happen. Right. But she does not want to go home because she's still in the partying mood. Right. A nice guy walks off the bus after it stops and he goes and asks for a cigarette. And this guy right here, if you want to describe what he looks like. Um, let's see. He is a I would say he's maybe in his forties. I don't know if that's accurate. Um, forties African American male with a beanie, um, mustache. He almost looks like Eddie Murphy, a lighter skinned Eddie Murphy. A little bit. I can see that. Yeah. He's got really full lips. Kind of like a Charles Murphy almost. I don't know. Charlie Murphy. He goes up. He asked for a cigarette. He was really generous. He was making conversation. He says, hey, I used to be a Marine, yada, yada, yada. I know how to cook. You know, what are you guys doing out here? Would you like to drink some wine? He goes across the service station. He buys a nice set of box wine. They start drinking right there at the bus stop. Remember, they're still at the bus stop. That is when Sean Morse is like, hey, you know, in 30 minutes, my kids are going to walk up here, and I do not want to see... I do not want my seven, however old they are, to see mommy out here drinking box wine and smoking crack, or cigarettes at least. So Sean Moore says, sorry, I have to leave. And that's when this guy says, hey, you can go back to my house on 12205 Imperial Avenue and we can keep this party going. And she accepts. She started climbing the stairs of this home and he's the only one that lives there. Mm -hmm. She instantly noticed it was... Completely trashed. I'm, I'm going to show you pictures inside of the home here in a little bit, and I'll put those photos on talkmore.com. But it was 
basically condemned on the inside. Like Pazuzu bad? Yeah. Or like <laughs> yeah, no. the last, um, yeah. Pazuzu the bad, Poughkeepsie yeah. one? Was it as bad as Ooh. that too? Yeah. Uh, yeah, probably pretty bad. There was one difference between this one and the Poughkeepsie killer though. This one had a a rotten stench that locals would later describe as like animal blood or animal animal rotting remains. Ah, so instead, like the Poughkeepsie killer, where he said it was that and was actually human. Yeah, well, his, his was just raccoons. Right, 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 right. <laughs> this actually was raccoons, perhaps. <laughs> well, I don't these know. are also dead bodies. Oh, <laughs> <okay>. <laughs> Now, was it was it a situation like each floor was its own apartment? You said duplex. So that means only means yeah. two. Or no, was that's it a good split question. in half? It, no, that's a good question. And I'll get into that. It was, yeah. Each floor was its own separate area. And at one point, there were multiple people living on each floor. In fact, at this time in the basement, there was a, a woman renting the basement floor. So if you go... I mean, you don't even see that, the basement, when you're looking mm-hmm. at that photo. But down in the basement, she was currently renting that. So she, But that doesn't even count because she's, like, way under there. Right. But he is the only one that lives there, and he lives on the second floor. So is he the landlord, or is he just a tenant? Well, he does. his family owns the home. Okay. So I guess he's a landlord and a tenant, but they don't really care about the home, so he's just staying there type of thing. <clears throat> well, because multifamily houses are really popular up north like my dad like he grew up in a multifamily house and like his family had the second floor and then like rented out to other people and things like that so i mean all right you so don't sh- see many of them down here i haven't seen any in south carolina actually sean morris she starts climbing the stairs and he's behind her as soon as she steps foot on the second floor doesn't even get into the bedroom or anything she just steps on the second floor immediately she feels his arms around her throat he puts her in a chokehold now this was a nice guy buying them wine and oh i'm a marine and yada 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 it's it's a little cold out here you know being really nice really generous and completely flips his shit she had no idea it was coming she goes up there and this is in the morning this is early in the yeah, morning. Yeah, early, 8 morning, 8 a.m. Okay. in the morning. Okay. And immediately he puts her in a chokehold and she just starts freaking out. His mouth close to her right ear, he instructed her to answer any of his questions with, yes, sir, and to follow his orders exactly. You're not leaving here. You're not going anywhere until I say you can, he growled. If you scream or run, I'll kill you. This is where they ended up. This is his bedroom. Ooh. There's a mattress on the floor, papers scattered all about. There is a headboard leaning against the wall. Yeah, but it's not like... Attached to the bed. Yeah. Kind of like the time when my headboard broke. <laughs> also true. Um, I mean, hardwood floors. Um, It's got some redeeming qualities. No, uh, it's it looks a nice like, house. Is yeah. that a trap door on the floor or is that another photo? Um, like, no, could it, it be like the back to another photo? It looks a photo, like a yeah. little area rug, maybe. Oh, maybe an area rug. Okay. Yeah, and it's funny that you said this about the headboard not being there because I didn't think about it when I first saw this picture. I'll get to this later, but the guy that invited her back is a scrapper. Oh. He, he used to have a real job, but now he's a scrapper. You know what that is? Yeah, he like gets the stuff like that people want to throw away. It's like Ricky taking those manhole covers. 
That's what I was thinking. <laughs> I was like, what's that guy's name? The guy in the backyard. Yeah. So he pushes Sean Morris onto the bed. He tells her to strip naked. Oh, no. Now, this is in the morning, early in the morning. She's apprehensive, so he punches her in the face. He then yells at her in her ear. He says, quote, I hate you bitches. Ooh. Look at you. You got a husband at home and you're out in the streets, end quote. I'm going to go back and show you what the guy looks like again. Mm -hmm. This is Anthony Sowell. And friends call him Tony, obviously, Anthony. But most people, including what I'm going to call him, because everyone around this area calls him Tone, like T-O-N-E, Tone. Tone. Mm -hmm. Yo, what up, Tone, type of thing. Mm -hmm. So this is the killer tonight, Anthony Sowell. So Tone begins to rape Sean Morris. He then attempts to rape her in the anus, but she starts to scream. He stands up. She is naked on the floor. She is scared as shit. She doesn't know what to do. She doesn't want to move. She's in this state of shock where she can't move. Like her body is just like, oh, my God, this guy, like, how can I get out of this situation? But because at this point, she thinks she's going to survive. You know, this is just mm -hmm. some maniac who's just going to rape me and I could deal with this. However, that thought of her surviving quickly left when she, number one, hears the music in the living room turned up, which is why you would want to mask, to mask yeah, a sound. sound yeah. Also, she can hear every window on the second floor being shut. So why That's would you creepy. shut? Yeah, you he's going around while she is terrorized on the floor, butt naked. She's just been raped and attempted to be raped in the, in the anus. And now he's shutting, slamming every window, turning the music up. What would you think? You think this is it? Like, there's no way he's going to let me live. I can't go anywhere. Yeah. Now, the photo you're seeing right now is of the house. And the one right next to that is Ray's Sausage Company. Okay. okay. Oh, no. So, what is in between the houses there? An alley. An alley. What is it paved with? Concrete, right? There's no yeah. dirt or anything. Right. So, if she was going to survive, she can't go out the front door. She's got to She's jump gotta down jump to the concrete. Down to the concrete. And she is on the second floor, so that's, I don't know, almost 20 feet. Maybe like 15 feet or more. She's going to break something if she does that. But she yeah. looks up, now she's butt naked, and she sees that he hasn't closed the bedroom window yet. Her only chance of survival is going out that window. Because if she goes in the hall, he's going to catch her. He's in the other room slamming the windows and everything. The only chance she has, and there's a very slight chance, is to go out that window. And she takes it. She starts running towards the window. Fight or flight, man. Yeah. Mm -hmm. She kicks out the screen. Bow! The screen flies and hits the other house. She then jumps out the window and she's on the window ledge. There's a, a window ledge up there. Yeah. Okay. So actually she's on the, the top up there. The, 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 third, floor. the third floor. Excuse me. I, I said second. She's on the third floor. Oh, God. So you see the window ledge up there. That is high. Yeah. Exactly. Go to talkmore.com to see this photo. It is very high. It's, it's a good 20 feet on the third floor there. So she is balancing on that, looking down at the concrete. Now, she's naked, remember? Right. Deciding if she was going to jump. Because if she jumps, she knows she's going to break everything. But if she stays, she's probably going to die. She got back to the house around 8 or 30 or 9 a.m., whatever it was, you know. Back right. to right. Back to her house. When she was getting raped, 
it wasn't just a quick 30 minutes. This was hours and hours and hours, which we're going to go into, not with her, but with the other victims. So she went through some tormenting stuff, mm. bindings, all kinds of stuff. So by the time she's out on the window, it's now 2.30 p.m. Yikes. Oh, wow. It is now her first chance of survival. That's like a whole work day. After several hours, she starts screaming and onlookers, other neighbors, look over. So that's good. She looks down and decides, screw it, I'm going to jump. So as soon as she gets her stance to jump and she's about to leap, guess who grabs her? Tone. Tone. Grabs the back of her hair. Oh, no. And pulls her back in. Grabs her by the hair and her left hand and just starts jerking her back in. Now, she's resisting. She's like, I'm not coming back in that window. If she goes back in that window, she's done. She's dead. She is done. So luckily, and this is why I said earlier, she wasn't currently addicted to crack. She, I mean, this is her first time doing it in several months because if she was, she wouldn't be 175 pounds, which she is right now. Right. So the only reason he can't pull her back in is because she's 175 pounds. But if she was on crack, she'd be 125 pounds and he could just throw her back in. So that saved her. Wow. Mm. Anyway. He is struggling. They're both struggling. He's pulling her. Ah, get back in here, you fucking bitch. And she's screaming, ah, help, help. All of a sudden, he realizes, Tone realizes, that he can't pull her back in. So instead, he pushes her. <gasps> pushes her in the back as hard as he can. And she falls that 20 feet or whatever it is on the concrete. Yikes. Being pushed. Having an, the extra inertia uh. from him pushing not just dangling and falling, but right. actually being pushed. So that's a lot more force behind it. Yeah. The only thing that she would have going for her is that she was inebriated. She had been partying all night. So, like, maybe her body wasn't as rigid or as, as in much stress as if you were sober and that was happening and you weren't like Im- Im- embracing the impact as much. But she falls nearly 20 feet. Her head immediately hits the concrete. Well, never mind. She goes unconscious. Her skull instantly fractures. Mm. Eight of her ribs snap and break. However, she's alive. Oh, see? Even after this, she falls right on the concrete. She's alive. Onlookers start piling up. Now, in this photo you're seeing here, it's not the same as the other side. The other side has a chain link fence protecting people from jumping in the Ray Sausage Factory and stealing all her shit. Tell me she didn't land on top of the fence. No, she didn't land on the fence, but she, now she's stuck in oh. the alleyway. She can't get across a fence. Number right. one, she can't fucking move. Right. And she's in and out of consciousness. Yeah. Luckily for her, onlookers start piling over there, wondering why is this naked woman dangling and and falling out of a roof, a window, at 2.30 p.m.? What the hell's going on? Several people go over to the fence. Now, they're... They're barricaded by the fence because there's a wire fence there and she is on the other side. Okay, and you guys won't believe what happens next. Who you're looking at now is Donald Laster. He was driving by. He's a nurse. He was actually oh my God. He was actually on the way home from a funeral. And he sees this woman on the he didn't see her fall, but he sees this naked woman and people kind of walking over there bloody and barely even crawling so he immediately stops his car and he runs over there prepared to do what he's got to do to save her life he's a nurse okay this is her savior 
This is him. The photo you're looking at is him testifying about this at court. So you see it's the same photo there. He jumps out of his car and runs over to her. Now, this is when things get really crazy. Tone, Anthony Sowell, is also there. Oh. He also jumped out to follow her. He is also butt naked. Okay. Now, there's... And injured? Like, he's... No, he's just like a spider, I guess. He just freaking... I mean, he climbed down or whatever. Or maybe he went out the second floor, first floor window, whatever. I don't know how he got it. Maybe he went out the back. I don't know how he got out. I guess he did go out the back. That makes sense. Tone, he's butt naked. And what you can't hardly see is the alleyway is full of tall grass that has never, ever been literally cut, ever. Mm -hmm. So like a tiger, Tone is creeping over to his prey while he's also naked, while there's onlookers. Like he doesn't even what? care that there are people. He's going to try to get her back in the house. Oh my what? god! That's <laughs> like crazy. People are like, "What the fuck is going on?" He hollers at everyone. "Quote, it's cool. She's my wife. We were fucking, and she fell out of the window. I'll take care of it." End quote. Um, no. Uh- <laughs> I'm not, sir. She is very badly injured. I think you need to take your wife to the hospital. He turns his butt to all the onlookers, and he picks up her head, and he starts dragging <gasps> her back towards the house. And one of her injuries, out of many, was her skin, her flesh, was completely ripped off her thighs. Because she's naked being drugged on this concrete that is all broken up and everything else in front of all these people. He is back to everyone, dragging her back to the house. Like like a tiger in one of those Discovery shows that had just killed that rhinoceros or whatever. And, and now they're dragging the prey back to the cave. I mean, it's the same thing. Wow. This guy, Donald Laster, the nurse, the savior of the situation, yells over the fence... Something to the effect of leave her the fuck alone or I'm going to beat the shit out of you. Something like that. Mm-hmm. And Tone. Good for you, dude. Yeah, yeah. Tone, he's not as big as this guy. He complies. He does leave her alone. Well, that's good. Yeah, because he knew he was about to get his ass beat. So he decides to go back in the house. But he's got the woman, uh-huh. Sean Morris, you know, dragging her. So she's kind of propped up, elevated a couple feet above the ground. He just drops her. Boom. Right there. She's already unconscious. Drops her right again on the concrete. Boom. Just like a slab of concrete. Boom. Hits. And then he goes back inside. I I can't believe. Did she survive this? Yeah, she survived. Holy shit. Yeah, she survived. She is a lucky, lucky lady. Mm -hmm. Now, she is not the only survivor in this story. I could not find a photo of her because I don't think she wants that to be public. Mm -hmm. So I did look everywhere. But. This is another victim, and I'm just going to show you the photo of what victims look like that survive ordeals like this from Tony's house. This, who you're looking at, is Vernice Crutcher. Oh, oh my goodness. Poor thing. So you see before and after, it's just completely... Oh, just, my goodness. Yeah. This is one of the many victims who went to police... Because police get a very bad rap for this case. Mm. Okay, not only were there 
numerous bodies decomposing in the house, and they were told about plenty of times. But there were a lot of women claiming to be raped by this guy. <gasps> so she was one of numerous people who went to the police telling them she was raped. Not just raped, but ass- assaulted. assaulted. I mean, yeah. she's beaten. That's so discouraging to to hear that the women are going to the authorities and reporting this and that nothing happens. Yeah. Well, that- here's the thing. And if you listen to um, the victims and stuff like this, all the women in the story have been on crack and have some sort of arrest. So it's usually like, They're less let, believable. let's say a missing person, a lot of missing people, obviously, there's a lot of people in the house. Let's say one of them goes missing and the family reports her. The police are going to be like, ah, just wait a couple of days. The drug will wear off and then she'll come back, yada, yada, yada. But they never do because he's got him in the house. But, you know, that sort of thing. It, you know what? This reminds me of uh, The Wire. You know, there's a, uh, I mean, that's in uh, Baltimore. Sh- Baltimore. But it's the same premise. Like around there, it's just the slums, you know, and, and the cops, you know, they, they're living it day to day. I mean, because I'm not trying to blame the cops. I mean, they, they're living it day to day, too. There's, there's just a lot of shit going on. Yeah. Anyways, Morris suffers from a brain aneurysm, a broken wrist, fingers, Ugh. and her eight broken ribs. She has skin torn from her leg from being dragged. She underwent brain surgery where she was unconscious for three days straight. But that's not the crazy thing about this story. What's really creepy and disgusting about this story is this. On October 23rd, so a few days after, she's still in the hospital. She wakes up because the hospital phone rings. It's Tone. He says, if you tell anybody, I'm going to kill you type of shit. Could they not piece this together, though, that this is because of him? Oh, don't tell anybody, but you fell out of my window. Well, hold on. Hold on a second. But also, like, why did they give? Well, I mean, I guess. How was he not even in custody? That's not not the creepy thing. Just hold on a second. The creepy thing about this is then Sean Morris tells the nurse, I need to call my husband. He's probably been worried about me. He has no idea where I'm at. He probably thinks I'm on another binger. I need to call him and tell him where I, I am, the hospital. The nurse says, okay, but oh, oh dear, but your husband knows. He rode with you in the ambulance. Oh, no. Yeah. What a creep. That guy rode with her in the fucking ambulance. Tell me that's not fucked up. Why do you think he was riding in there? I mean, if there wasn't paramedics in the back. Hoping he'd kill her. Exactly. So anyway, what do you guys think about this? That's messed up. That's disturbing. I cannot believe that this woman survived. I mean, just the fall alone. Oh, yeah. I honestly think that, like I said, I think the only thing, the only reason that she survived is because she was on on the drugs and alcohol. It could be. All right, let's move on. All right, tonight we are reading from the House of Horrors. By Robert Sberna. Sberna? Sberna. 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 The shocking true story of Anthony Sowell. The Cleveland Strangler. Oh. Strangler. Cleveland Strangler. Hmm. His the, name came up a few years ago, I feel mm-hmm. like. Yeah. Very good. Do you know why? No. Well, he just died about, uh, what was February? Three months ago. Oh, that's yeah. why. But this is him right here, the Cleveland Strangler, this Cleveland serial killer. With this guy, with this story, 
I want you to think, I'm not going to point it out exactly, but I want you to think of all the ways and all the ways that his MO is similar to Ted Bundy's. Okay. Because shockingly is hmm. a lot. Interesting. Okay. Okay. And if you remember the Ted Bundy story, um, he had uh, he was a sexual sadist, obviously, and obviously this guy is too. So, so who you're looking at now is Anthony Sowell. Talk a little bit about his background. He was born in Cleveland in 1959 to working class parents. His mother Claudia was a dry cleaner presser. His father was a construction worker and an alcoholic. In fact, his father leaves him and the whole family when. He was just a toddler. All right, this is 1878 Page Avenue. This is the home he grew up in. It's a nice house. It's a big house, yeah. Victorian style. Yeah, this is the home he grew up in once the family finally settled. So he was seven or eight when they finally settled in here. Before this, he was moving from city to city, from school to school. So he never developed those childhood friendships that you, you need, I feel, to to thrive you know what i'm saying he, he never got to develop that his father was not home there was no father figures in the house whatsoever his mother was also extremely abusive claudia was her name would whip all the children with cords or whatever she could find anything phone cables towels cords switches beer bottles whatever the neighbors and his teachers all said the same thing about tone he was a kind and respectable kid. He was a good kid. He came from a very shitty situation, him and all his siblings. But at the end of the day, this dude would do anything for you. He would give the shirt off his back. He was just the sweetest kid, and he did good in school. He, When he got to school, he was there to learn. And one thing I'm going to tell you about here in a second, because he did join the Marines. I don't know if you remember that. Mm-hmm. Oh, I didn't know if that was true. Yeah, that's true. Okay. He loves not loves, but he needs structure. Okay. Interesting. Okay. Which is crazy because go back to the house that this happened in completely fucking wrecked. Okay. But before this, even when he was in, you know, his own room in the house whatsoever, everything would be squared away, put completely in place. Everything is perfectly spaced apart. He loves the structure. He did well in those environments where he had a set of rules to follow. That is who this guy is before the crack, obviously. Crack is what? One of his sisters, and there's a lot of siblings, Leona says the following. Even at age 10, I had developed breasts, so the boys in the house would gather around and stare at me while I was standing there butt naked. Then Claudia would tie my arms to a stair railing and grab whatever was handy, a cord, belt, stick, or switch, and started hitting me. So her siblings would stare at her. Uh, it's almost like the Sylvia yeah. Lichen story. You remember yeah. when they um, oh yeah, they made them watch. Oh, the hot dogs. Oh god. So they would make the every sibling. If someone's getting punished, and it's not punished like you did something wrong or whatever, it's I'm in the mood to hit one of the kids. Who's it gonna be? Because a lot of times the mother, Claudia, would wake him up middle of the night. She hasn't been in there all day. There's nothing to spank these kids for. She'd wake him up, tie them all to the, the railing. The ones that aren't tied up, she would make watch, stand there and watch. She'd strip them naked, you know, and, and just beat them. It's not, not a very good situation they had. Mm-mm. 
So Tone would sit there and he would be forced to watch. Now, stories conflict about who was the worst, either the mother or the grandmother, but they were both horrible. Oh. The grandmother's name, who was also living at the house, her name was Irene Justice. So kind of a crazy name. Anyway, Leona, the same one that said the quote earlier, recalls, Quote, here was the elderly, overweight lady who could barely walk, but she would still hit us in the head with her cane, end quote. God, you know, damn. It's bad enough when, you know, it, it's traumatic experience to be beaten, but to have to watch your siblings get beaten is also traumatic. And for yeah. a grandparent to take part. Like, True. I, the it's almost like the grandparent especially should be even more loving and unconditional than a parent. Yeah. You know, cause like they get to only be there for the good, good stuff. Yeah. You yeah. know, you know, you know, it's funny about this story that I, I noticed when I was reading it, the crack epidemic especially propelled this forward. But before the crack epidemic and all the, the bad stuff it brought, Kids were actually being raised by their parents, but now they're being raised by their grandparents. Mm. And a lot of it's to do with the crack epidemic. That's interesting. And now, now I'm not talking about down in South where I'm from or, or wherever, maybe the nice places in Boston, but I'm talking about in the inner cities of Cleveland. Where crack is an epidemic, yeah. Ohio. In fact, when I was doing this story, I have a picture in here of a crack pipe. There, and the, the picture I pulled it from Beside it, which I didn't put that in there, it's somewhere in Los Angeles, one of the inner cities. There's actually a crack vending machine that was spotted in one of the lower communities. It was like a a regular bubble vending machine that mm-hmm. someone had converted into crack. So you put like two dollars worth of quarters in there, and it it spits out a little bit of crack. They tore it down, obviously, but isn't that nuts? Yeah. Holy shit! I mean. And also, yeah, I'll show you a picture. It's fucking wow. nuts, dude. I mean, they're, they're <laughs> definitely, you know, not to say that this doesn't happen down here because that there are definitely students that I've worked with who are being raised by their grandparents mm-hmm. because their parents can't take care of them. So, I mean, regardless of the situation, it's it's sad. The beatings are so bad that the children, all the children in the house, they created a game. Mm. Who could get beat the worst without crying? Whoever doesn't cry first wins. That's fucked. That is (laughs) on a couple of different levels. Number one, because like they're making a game out of their punishment. But number two, that means that they have to like do something defiant. It's some level. No, no, no. They they were not. Here's the thing about the mother and and grandmother. They were not breaking the rules. They were just they just wanted to be beaten. Not the kids, but... Like, the, please, sir, can I have another type of thing? No, no. They, they were, these kids would get woken up in the middle of the night, drugged down there, have done nothing wrong. It's not like, oh, my God, you didn't clean the kitchen. You're getting a whooping. This was, I had a Unprovoked. fucking shitty day, and I need to beat someone. That's the difference between that, you know? Yeah. I don't know. But also keep in mind, all the kids were going through this. A lot of them. And he's the only one that turned out to be a serial killer. But... Every mm. child that was in that house, every child being raised by Claudia and Irene Justice, every one of them was either put in a mental institution wow. to be rehabilitated and or heavily addicted to crack or addicted to alcohol. Wow. I mean, that, it's not shocking, but 
Everyone, I mean, it is, it's fascinating. 100% of the kids, and there were like 10 or 12 of them in there, every one of them. So I don't know if you think about how they were getting fucking trashed. Well, are we going to go over the mother's upbringing? Like, like talk about how Irene parented? Because I feel like it's a trickle down effect. No, it probably is, but we don't, this story's so long. No, that's fine. I was just curious. So Tom went to Shaw High School. He was bullied because he was a little different, but. I don't think he was bullied as much as some of the killers. He was he was bullied because he was a scrawny kid and he tried to act tough, which is understandable. Yeah, but I don't think he was bullied too bad from what the some of the other ones we've covered. I think it was more the abuse at home. Anyway, at seventeen, he impregnates a Twyla Austin. Twy. Twy. Twyla Austin. And she gives birth to a daughter, Julie. At 18, he joins the Marines. And he, the reason he joined the Marines is because he was at the Army recruiter. And while he was waiting to do his paperwork, his mom said, oh, you couldn't you couldn't be a Marine. You couldn't do that. It's too much. So he joined the Marines to kind of show her that I can do it type of thing. I get that. I get yeah. that. I do find it interesting that he joined the military, though. Um, you would think that that could, the structure could be a good thing for him. Um, it was a really good thing. Well, John was saying that that's something that he needed. He needed it, but he he got out. Why did he get out of the military? So he only served eight years in the military. He was an electrician. That's a long time. Yeah. And a he was electric. He was electrician, and he was a cook in okay. the military. Now I have a question, John. I don't know if we've talked about this before, but when you join when you're 18 and then you say he goes on goes on to become an electrician, does he like, do you guys get to go to school to learn the different trades yeah. or is it suggested that you have training prior to? No, you do. Um, You do your basic training and then unless you have a specified route, you're going to go. Like, I feel like a lot of people just join and then they're put to like the needs of the army or whatever. Mm-hmm. But. How it works is you join, you do your basic training, which were for him was in Paris Island in South Carolina. And then after your basic training, your boot camp, then you go to what's in the Army is called the AIT, Advanced Individual Training. I don't know about the Marines, but that's a specialized school that you go to, hmm. you know. So he obviously went to some sort of electrician school to become an electrician. Anyway, his first day of boot camp was January 24th, 1978, and he thrived in boot camp. Apparently, this is a huge deal. I don't know, because I was in the Army. Um, but he was an honor graduate. Wow. And that is, they never, apparently the Marines never give that award out, hardly ever. So he was one in 10,000 or whatever to, wow. to ever get that. Yeah, so that was a huge deal. So, Huh. What that means is when they would do random inspections or whatever, his bed was always dress right dress, you know, squared up, whatever, like shoes were shined, boots were shined, just completely in line, respectful. And not only that, but he was one of the most physically fit people in his troop hmm. or whatever, because he, ha- he has to ace the PT test to, to get that honor graduate. So... He did excellent, and that would always be on his record. 
Well, I mean, I'm sure it was he was extra motivated after his mom said he couldn't do it. Yeah. It's like he had a chip on his shoulder. He was stationed in North Carolina, California, and even Okinawa, Japan. And that's where he met another Marine, Kim Yvette Lawson, and they got married. She says that she married him only because, quote, so he wouldn't drink himself to death or get a dishonorable discharge, end quote. Interesting. So he started getting on the sauce pretty heavily. And this is kind of where it started. Now, he has a stellar record, but after he got on the sauce, he did go AWOL at one point for a few months, which isn't a terrible thing if you come back. Anyway, he was honorably discharged, Hmm. even after the AWOL thing, on January 15, 1985. Now, I believe, I'm not sure exactly, but I think his sexual sadism started in Okinawa, from what everyone says. Because over there, you have this thing, well, and they're everywhere, in every military base, but in Okinawa, it's called Hooker Hill. And this isn't related to this story, Specifically, but this is from the Independent. It says, special report, U.S. troops are stationed in Japan to protect the nation, but to sex workers in Okinawa, they bring fear, not security. Hmm. So these hookers, what they call them over there, Hooker Hill, is a red light district. And I guess a lot of soldiers, Marines and Army, whoever's over there, they kind of go too far with it. And they start carrying out some pretty fucked up fantasies. So this is Hooker Hill. We, we had something in Fort Bragg called uh, the Asian Odyssey. And y- you were blacklisted from drive even driving down. It was this little subdivision of shops, like a little strip mall, that were nothing but Asian massage, suck and blow kind of bars. And these Asian women would come out, the Koreans, obviously, and they were... Some of them were, would come out, they were like 60 years old, Ugh. and they would be have padded and makeup to make them look younger, and they would just like do this to you, come on in here, type of thing. It was really weird. We, we would drive around it just to see, but as because it would be nobody out. It would like, it looks like an abandoned strip mall, but as soon as the car starts driving down, they step out the front door and wave you in. It was really weird. Hmm. Anyway, if you got caught going there, you get kicked out because they they have like the black syphilis and shit, which makes your tongue black. It's like crazy. Go ahead and read this, Nequiz, if that is your real name. It's not. (laughs) (laughs) It is now. (laughs) He sent in the papers last week. Ah, okay. (laughs) That was with my last name change. Nequiz Paris. He had his way with these foreign women for the whole time he was in Okinawa. He tied the girls to the chair, put ropes around their neck. He liked to talk about how he choked and strangled them. And then he went back to the base as if everything was normal. All right, guys, we're going to end it here. Next week, we're going to step inside Tone's house to find out exactly where that smell was coming from.